Welcome to the Bedrock Way Podcast, where we're changing the habits of yesterday by creating the new healthcare reality of tomorrow. And today, Jonathan, I'm looking at the weather here in New Jersey, and thunderstorms are expected around 1 p.m. But actually, the weather started to change here in our office with our guest today, Steve the Hurricane. Oh, my goodness. Are we in for a treat today with Steve the Hurricane, someone who I've known for such a long time, and he's been a metamorphosis for the industry. He has changed the industry. He has changed himself. He has changed me. And there's a ton of personal and professional alliances that we do have, and we're going to talk about that today. But I'm really ecstatic to have Steve here. The title of our podcast today is Network Titans, Crafting Deals and Building empires. That's what you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. You just make people wealthy. You make people rich. And not because you're granting any pixie dust lottery magic. You are empowering people with the ability to build relationships. You're empowering people with the ability to get to know who you need to know in your industry so you can grow your business. Because ultimately, growing a business is just building the right relationships, knowing who you need to tap into, but having those relationships be productive. So it's Steve, the Hurricane Registered Weiss, is a dynamic and entertaining public speaker, known for his expertise in all things sales and marketing. From a very young age, Steve has been driven to succeed and has excelled in several vastly different industries. Steve founded his current company, Hurricane marketing enterprises in 2012 with the goal to help other business owners dominate their markets. In a few short years, he grew it to a seven-figure business and has now grown into the parent company of six divisions, including a not-for-profit dedicated to improving the lives of senior citizens nationwide. Steve has sold out boot camps, conferences, and seminars extended throughout an entire nation, even attracting attendees from other continents to hear him speak. With more than two decades of experience and a knack for breaking it down in easy-to-follow steps, he's known to many as the marketing guru. Steve's passion is to lead business owners on the path to find people in need of their services and convert these prospects into clients. His company's mission statement is to help business owners increase their senses, revenue, and profits. Through his training courses, programs, and presentation, he has guided thousands of individuals to grow their organizations and continues to help them adapt, transform, and thrive. And we were one of those, Steve. We were one of those organizations. With his dedication and hard work, Steve has developed a foolproof program which enables startup companies to quickly get ahead of the competition while helping existing businesses experience an explosive transformation. Many of his clients double and even triple annual revenue in as little as six months. While shining on stage, Steve draws the audience in with his detailed exuberance and emotion. He shares his passion, educating individuals on proven skills and strategies that are guaranteed to work, while mesmerizing the audience with his unique approach. Steve has been interviewed many times over the years for article, podcast, and radio shows, but never the Bedrockway podcast. He has recently taken things to the next level, and launched a quarterly magazine in 2022 with a wide distribution in its industry. Through each engagement, he captures attention by sharing both his personal stories and those of people he has encountered along the way. As a result, he has impacted thousands of individuals, helping them to blow away 
the competition. Are you ready to take on the hurricane? We sure are. Steve, it's a pleasure to have you. Andre, I appreciate you. I appreciate this. You're my friend. I love you. This is going to be great. Thank you for having me. And I wanted to start off with a very simple definition for us, Steve, because I think when we talk about networking, I think sometimes we overcomplicate what networking is. I always like to simplify things. And I think you and I share this almost in concept. I always tell people I am lazy by nature. Not because I don't like to work, but I like to make hard things simple. And that's something that I've always admired about you because you simplify the networking, the referral partnerships. You really simplify marketing, which sometimes can be very convoluted, very complicated, especially for the young mind. So networking is the action of, or process of interacting with others to exchange information and develop professional or social contacts. The skills of networking, bargaining, and negotiation. And networking is the exchange of information and ideas among people with a common profession or special interest, usually in an informal social setting. Networking often begins with a single point of common ground. And Steve, why is networking important in business? Networking is important in business because no one can do it all alone. Or rather, you will never reach your potential trying to do it by yourself. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the one plus one equals 11 concept. This is something that I teach people all the time. What it has to do with is one person by themselves, even if they're a highly effective individual, on their own, they can do only what one person can do. On the flip side, if that person works with another like-minded individual who also is a very capable, competent individual, then the two together can accomplish that of which 11 individuals on their own could accomplish. They can tap into the infinite knowledge that each other one has, bounce ideas off one another, play to their strengths, and then share in their reward. I would love to say I coined the phrase, I can't trademark it, unfortunately, but it is what's called a power partner. And a power partner is somebody who offers a service or a product that's synergistic to mine, which means that we are both going after the same target customer, but we do not compete with one another. So then what can my company and my power partner's company do together to help both companies rise? help both companies increase their return on investment because if we're sharing connections, we're sharing contacts, we're sharing clients and customers and referring back and forth, that's going to allow us to reach a much larger audience. That's going to allow us to increase our profitability significantly faster than if we were to do it on our own. So we're talking about how networking affects making deals, how it affects growing the business. And I'm going to throw you a few curveballs along the way, and I'm about to throw you one. And here's the thing. You show up to this podcast, you, sh you show up on stage, and you're always very polished. But you weren't always this polished. You grew up in an environment when you had to survive. And I think this level of confidence and outright exuberance, as your bio mentioned, is not the Steve that we have always seen. So take us back through that, because one thing that I love about your story is when you talk about selling knives from house to house. That story of that business to business sale, and again, something that for you, you never knew you were gonna be here. Steve, take us through your story, because again, we can get 
very deep into the context of where we are today, you and I, and we've known each other for almost two decades, but this story started in very humble beginnings. And as confident as you seem today, that confidence grew. And that confidence has foundations that date back years. That would be very powerful to have somebody with such a strong stature, not only physically and figurative and industry, but to show people that this transformation of this hurricane started with a very single raindrop. Let's talk about that. Thank you for that. And you're right. I grew up, I had the, the best of everything. I, I, I wasn't rich, but we needed for nothing, right? My mom and dad were together. They raised us. I uh, have a strong Christian background and, and my faith is everything to me. I was not your typical go to school, get a degree, follow into the, the rat race type of a person. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget when I was 17 years old, my mother and I, she had picked me up from school early. I had to do like a sports physical or something to play a sport. And after we finished that, I hadn't, I'd missed lunch. And so we went to like Kentucky Fried Chicken, an old bridge on Route 9. And I'm standing there outside. We decided to eat outside. And my mother was speaking to me. And my mother, she's a big influence in my life. She knew that I wasn't paying attention to what she was saying because I was kind of looking off into the distance. And so being the encouraging person she is, she says to me, what are you thinking, my son? And it's now like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I see Route 9 traffic backed up. A million people just stuck trying to go home. And I said, Mom, that right there is the rat race. And I know I will never be a part of the rat race. That is not who I am. And so and my mother always encouraged that kind of behavior in me. And so we would go to uh, these different shows at like the Jacob Javits Center in New York City. And I remember it was a business show. I actually met Donald Trump. I met George Foreman. I met all these other celebrities of the time who were up and coming or they were established. And these were the minds that influenced me. Tony Robbins and other great individuals are the people who influenced me. I eventually went on to college, but then I found the knife job, as you were talking about, where I had to learn how to do a business on your own. And I call it the knife job because that's what we used to joke and call it. But really, you were an independent contractor and your earning potential was based on your willingness to put forth effort and follow a tried and true program. And that's where I really got my foundation. You know, they taught me how to how to manage leads, how to do phone inquiries, how to how to turn somebody who is not interested in buying a knife to agreeing to meeting me, coming into their house, sitting down with a pack of knives and then walk out with a thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar, two thousand dollar sale for knives. They literally taught me how to do that. But in that time, as a young 19 year old man at this point, that is also where they taught me about investing and the easy road leads to the difficult future. Make the more difficult decisions. Now that leads to the easier future. Started talking about a power couple, being married, all these different things I learned at this company at a very young age. And that eventually led me to dropping out of college and going into that space and maximizing it. Eventually leaving when I became a district manager in the company, I feel I got everything I needed from that point. Bounced around a couple of years, and eventually that's when I found my way to healthcare. And it was a perfect blend for me. I worked a little bit with my dad for about three years in between at a dairy. That gave me business to business sales experience, which really helped with the home care side of it. That was not a very positive experience. That was a humbling experience for me. That was real world, but that also was a little bit of rat race. And that said to me that, you know what? 
I don't want this. I'm going to find my own way. And that's when I eventually came to home care. Four years in, became the vice president, business partner in there. Three years later, we flipped and sold that company for several million dollars. I stay on with the new company that bought us for 12 months. They have me training the entire 70, 80 locations on all the things that I'm doing in my single location. Everybody's numbers go up. And then that's when after my one-year contract from the purchase, I started and founded Hurricane Marketing Enterprises, and I never looked back. But I wanted to talk about something that always riles me up when it comes to networking and building relationships. And that's the typical question, uh, Steve, that everyone always gets when they meet someone new, right? We're going to talk about networking and getting to know people. That one question that people always ask after they ask your name is people ask, what do you do? Tell me what you do. And I know, Steve, they ask that question because they want to know how much respect to give you. To add to that is perhaps how can you help me? Let's talk about fear and what humans fear the most. I know something that you're really, really good at, and that's public speaking. And approximately 76% of humans right now, Steve. Rather die than speak. Think about that. Let's discuss fears. So approximately 70% of professionals fear and have anxiety towards presenting or speaking in public and also online or in facilitating a meeting. That's a pretty big deal. Surveys typically indicate that between 72 and 75% of the population fears public speaking. While there are a lucky few that do not experience the anxiety associated with speaking, the rest of us can use some strategies to become more skilled and relaxed speakers. And I'll tell you, Public speaking for me is something that I enjoy. I know you and I have that in common, but I want to talk to you, Mr. Hurricane. What is your biggest source of vulnerability? What is your biggest fear in life? Andre, that is a phenomenal question. And I will tell you right now, I am not afraid of anything. Anything. I used to be afraid of things. I used to be afraid of dying. I used to be afraid of being laughed at. I used to be afraid of not being taken seriously. But all of those things, except for dying, has happened. And even the dying itself, why am I not afraid of dying? Well, I understand that my my time and place in this world is but missed in the grand scheme of cosmos, which is actually quoting the Old Testament right there. The reason why I don't have any of these fears is because I, I have a strong spirituality. The reason why I don't have any fears of anything in this world is because I have a strong social wellness strength for my wife, strength for my children, and God willing, protect them. I don't want anything to happen to them, right? But if something were to happen, I can accept it because I have a strong faith again, knowing that I will see them again in the next. I actually preached on Sunday morning at church about forgiveness and forgiving others and divine forgiveness. And what does that actually mean? I'm not going to get into that now, but that that is something that when people ask me, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of nothing. That's the reason why I'm not afraid of jumping up on a stage. I spoke at two different conferences this week. I am not an educator, yet I am an educator because I'm a professional trainer. I spoke at an education conference on being able to train people remotely. I spoke at a marketing conference. I did so well in the morning of the session that when somebody else was supposed to do something in the afternoon and they became ill and they couldn't do it, they asked me if I could jump up on the stage and talk for an hour about ethics in marketing. Now, I am an ethical person I actually would tell you that the very first core value of my company is integrity, but I've never given a presentation with zero preparation. They asked me 
15 minutes before I was supposed to take the stage. I got up on stage and led a discussion on ethics and marketing. And if you're promoting something and advertising something, you make sure that you deliver on it. And if you work for an employer who is not delivering on it, you hold your own integrity and you either fire that client as the business owner or you move on and switch companies and find a company to work for that's going to be aligned with their own values. Part of the reason why I don't fear anything is because of having a personal mission statement. I feel that every single person needs to have their own mission statement, their own code of conduct, their own, their own reason why they do what they do and hold themselves accountable for it. We're talking about accountability. If you are a lion, then be a lion. If you're a tiger, don't have to hide your stripes. Let your stripes be who you are, live in it. So my personal mission statement is I'm Steve, right? And I am a child of God. I am a man of power, wisdom, and passion. I remind myself of that every single day. For my introverted folks out there, which it's interesting, Andre, that you said more than 75% of the population would rather die than public speak. Part of the reason why that is the case is because two-thirds of our population, 66% of the population, are introverts. And introverts are like, how, how can I get on stage? How can I do this? How can I, what can I talk about? The first thing I always say is that if you have a strong personal core value, a strong personal mission statement, you remind yourself of it, then just walk on stage and just be who you are. Say who you are. Don't worry about what other people think. And you could do that confidently when you come from that strong value. The last thing is for the most introverted folks out there, practice. There's nothing wrong with practicing. There's nothing wrong with rehearsing. When I have clients who have to do lunch and learns, and you mentioned early on that your clients get inspiration from you and motivation from me. And, and I thank you for that compliment. Practice makes perfect. Actually, practice makes better. And you continue to do it and continue to do it. I know you're familiar with the 10,000 hours philosophy, right? Many years ago, I was having a conversation with one of my buddies at his 30th birthday party. One of his friends in this conversation that we were having as a small group discussion here, turns out because he lives near the Pentagon, this guy works at the Pentagon. And he was talking about how public speaking, and he's listening to me, and he goes, you're an expert at what you do, clearly because you spent more than 10,000 hours doing it. I said, what do you mean? And he said, the biggest difference between somebody who masters something and somebody who's a novice or even advanced at it is spending 10,000 hours. If you spend 10,000 hours doing anything, you will master it. Now, I'm not saying that introverts need to spend 10,000 hours at speaking unless you want to become a professional speaker, then yes, spend the 10,000 hours. But what I am saying is dedicate the time necessary to get good at the parts of the things that you have to do. And on the last point on this, this is where for all my entrepreneurs out there and, and employees, find people who are good at doing the things you're not good at and bring them on to work with you. That's also with your power partner and your networking. So I have a lot of clients who are introvert and to fast track the ability to get on stages, I say find somebody who is a power partner and you do all the behind the scenes. You organize the event. You do all the emails and the invitations and you bring the spokesperson to lead the event and they speak and then they bring you up on stage and let them do all the leading of it. But you're the one getting them. You're the one who organized it. You're the one who emailed them. You're the one who put together the event. You're the one who gets the recognition as part of the partnership. So you don't have to be the one on stage. You don't have to be the one leading the lunch and learn or leading the activity that you've put together or whatever it is. You find other people, again, interdependence, interdependencies. That's the key. That's networking at its highest level. And that will help you to overcome your fear. When you do right, 
you fear no man. I'm a true believer in the fact that when you just focus on doing what is right, rather than being right, I think sometimes we're more focused on being right than doing the right thing. But when you do that, you fear no man. And I'll tell you that the 76% stat is staggering to me. That means that basically eight out of 10 people have a fear of public speaking. And I'm sorry, if you have a fear of public speaking, you have a fear of meeting other people, especially in a public setting. So let's talk about some of the common ways to network in business. Because again, the podcast is to allow and empower our listeners to be better networkers, but also allow themselves to have that confidence, to be fearless, to close those deals and build that empire. So one of the first things that they recommend is to attend a business seminar. Entrepreneurs often give lectures on specific topics relevant to their niche. Niche, conversing with attendees who share your interests or work style can help you expand your contact list and exchange helpful advice. Steve does a boot camp every quarter and approximately, right, Steve? Twice a year. Twice a year. And again, that is a perfect seminar, not only to exchange ideas with Steve himself, but with two, 300 other entrepreneurs who attend. Join a networking group. To find more consistent business networking opportunities, join a civic club, a professional organization that focuses on relevant industry topics. For example, you might join your local area's Chamber of Commerce, which is a group of entrepreneurs that offers opportunities for referrals and business development. And this is one of the easiest things, Steve, is just create a social media profile for business networking. Certain platforms allow professionals like LinkedIn to build a network through different types of online engagement. You might post blog-style updates of your recent business activities to your follower base or request to be online friends with an industry leader. And I know, Steve, you have your magazine, you've had your radio shows, you've done your YouTube channel. To me, it's getting the word out there of what you do. There are seven main tips for effective business work networking. I want to go through them, Steve, and then I want to get your feedback on these tips. Because again, this is a practical podcast that I would like our listeners to be able to apply as early as you hear it, be able to apply from industry experts on how they can build their network and power so they can go build their empires. Number one, you have to look for the right people, people who are like-minded, people who think like you, people who act like you, people who have the same motivation. But if you're going to surround yourself with people who don't have the right mindset, I've said this many, many times, you surround yourself with five millionaires, you become the sixth. Looking for the right people who are going to be hopefully having the same like-minded motivations, that's going to get you to the finish line and that's going to enhance your power of networking. Be proactive. So cultivate your networking regularly. That's crucial. Be consistent. If somebody texts you, respond. If somebody calls you, call them back. If somebody emails you, email them back. I I can't tell you, Steve, how it just infuriates you when people don't respond. And they consider checking their responses when they need something from you. But they don't reach out to you proactively to just say, hey, happy birthday. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how was your vacation that I saw on Facebook? Now, do you know what that person's called, Andre? What is that person called? I call that a powerless partner. (laughs) Perfect. On that segue, we go number three, you offer assistance. This is something that the industry needs a ton. Think about it. You said most of our workforce are introverts. Eight out of 10 are afraid of public speaking. Hence, they're poor, inherent networkers. Offer your assistance because people are looking for mentorship. 
if you provide helpful assistance, your contacts may also more likely to support you and refer you to other people. Become a resource for others can encourage your contacts to trust your expertise and view you as dependable. You cultivate personal contacts online, attend company events. For those introverts out there, the easier events to attend are the ones that your company sponsors. So again, be a regular at your company mixers, corporate retreats, or community events. That helps you meet a variety of key contacts. I can't tell you, Steve, how many times I'll hire someone or somebody says, oh, I'll work, but I'll never go to an after-hours event. Uh, you're probably not going to work for me much longer. Because again, I need you to be part of the entire culture. And as a healthcare company, our culture shines after hours. That's when we get to connect with our staff. So again, you got to stay aware of your company's social calendar so you can prepare for events beforehand. The other one about networking, and this is a powerful one, and you're really good at this, and it's the execution of the follow-up. And it's so important. I'll tell you how many times people have these amazing meetings, right? These amazing meetings that they demonstrate all this interest in somebody's business ventures, and they say, oh, I can't wait. We can work together. There's synergy. And then you don't hold yourself accountable to the follow-up. <laughs> so your meeting was completely worthless. Contact remembers what you did, but they remember how you made them feel after the fact because that has to do with interest. Was the interest genuine or were you just acting? And they'll become more receptive to your advice because that's how they develop the relationship with you. And the last piece of advice in creating strong networking approaches and strong networking groups is you have to develop an elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is a short introduction of your personal information and business interest that you can say in 30 seconds if you're an elevator with an influential ally or an influential potential networking partner, a power partner. It allows you to communicate the purpose of your networking efforts quickly, succinctly, because if you do that, that means you understand it and it can help you form connections more efficiently. So Steve, Give me your elevator pitch. Ha <laughs> ha. I love that you asked this question. I am Steve the Hurricane, owner of Hurricane Marketing Enterprises, and I help service providers find those in need of care. Thank you very much. Done. Real quick to the point. It's funny that Andre was talking about these several things just now with all of it. And for all of those who are out there who are my clients who are listening to this, this is where I pair the fast start lessons three and five on how to organize events, create the power partners. Lesson six of the fast start, where I teach you how to basically conduct your lunch and learn, which is a type of event. But then I take you to advanced training one and two, where I teach you about organizing the event, executing the event, and then planning the post event. With every networking opportunity, we must be thinking about what do I have to do before the networking event? What am I going to do at the networking event? And what am I going to do afterwards? It is pre-production, execution, post-production at every single event. I also want everybody to recognize that the business is not gained at the networking in the event. I'll repeat that. The business is not gained at the networking event. The business is gained with what you do after the networking event. The networking event is the gathering. 
And also to Andre's point here, as he's, as he's talking about so many introverted folks out there, recognize that if you're introverted, chances are most of the people at the networking event are also introverted. So if you come into the meeting as an introvert planning, I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to make sure that I speak to five different people for just five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, I will determine if this is somebody that I am going to follow up with. Make it a goal that out of those five people, I will then do what I call book a meeting from a meeting. I call it bam famming for short. Book a meeting from a meeting to follow up with that person one-on-one, -on -one, which is a much more comfortable setting for me to have a lengthier conversation. So it's five minutes. Qualify the person that I'm speaking to. Learn what they do. Learn who they are. Learn how long they've been doing it. Learn what their motivations are. Learn who their target customer is. If you feel in that five minutes that this person is somebody that is on a synergistic path with you who does not compete with you, then book a meeting from a meeting to have a one-on-one -on -one cup of coffee with them at Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. You treat them. It's only $5 for a latte, maybe $7 if it's a fancy one, right? And then at that meeting, now it's one-on-one, -on -one, which is a lot less intimidating because I'm just continuing the conversation I started with Andre, but not in front of a whole bunch of other people. It's in a controlled environment over a cup of coffee, and I can just get to know Andre as a person and see if I want to take this relationship further. Remember, it's not at the networking event that the business is gained. It's what you do after. We're talking about crafting deals, and we're talking about booking a meeting from a meeting, and, and just the components that, again, that your company does so well, it goes back to the building blocks of building an empire. And that's what you do really well. And Thank you. as I researched this, you know, leading up to the podcast, I looked at five main building blocks that create an empire. And listen to this, Steve, it's pretty, pretty powerful. Number one is strong leadership. You cannot have an empire without strong leadership. Why? Because that strong leadership makes the decisions that are usually right, but not necessarily the popular decisions. You also have to have sound financial position, fiscal responsibility, forecasting, being able to know the numbers and being able to, you know what, maybe when the purse strings need to be closed and maybe when the purse strings can be a little bit more flexible. So financial responsibility, fiscal discipline is the second most important factor. Number three, practical strategies. And I, I'm listening to you and I'm like, Steve's planning is so pragmatic. It makes sense. And sometimes we overcomplicate things where we're building a business. Then you have to have effective resource allocation, knowing that you have the right people, but also putting them in the right seats and knowing when someone has unfortunately become a casualty of the evolution. So I always said there are people who are stepping stones and there are people who are permanent fixtures. Not everyone signs a lifetime contract with you. Manage them, hold them accountable, help them rise. And if they're not, manage them out. Reason, season, lifetime. Beautiful. Lastly, strong risk management protocols. What is threatening your business? So let me just summarize that. That's one of the most powerful things we'll talk about today, Steve, is the five main building blocks of building an empire. And this goes to the very early Rome, when Rome was burning, Julius Caesar, and back into every type of monarchy, dynasty, they have to have five main building blocks. Strong leadership, some financial position, 
practical strategies that make sense, effective resource allocation, knowing how to use the resources. If you have a Ferrari, knowing how to drive that Ferrari and then having strong risk management protocols so you know what threats, what dangers, what opportunities are at bay, and you as a leader can anticipate them proactively. When you ask me, Steve, how do you build an empire? I give it to you very simply. You build a rock star team. You build a rock star team. And one of the first things that comes to mind when empires are mentioned is the people who support them or don't. An empire cannot be managed by just one person. You need a network of people who help you build the empire every step of the way daily. And that, to me, is the way that you build that empire. But as Steve mentioned, it happens with that networking group. It happens with building and surrounding yourself with people who want to do more. And when you surround yourself with success, you become successful. So, Steve, I got to ask you something. God, who are your role models? Who are people that you follow? Who do you emulate? Who do you envy sometimes in a positive way? And you say, man, that's really who I want. That's really who I want to be. Or that's who I model myself after. So my, my first and foremost, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior because without him, I'm nothing, right? I am ashes. I am dust, right? And so that's the first person. I also have other mentors who are fictitious characters. So my physical mentor is Goku, who is a character from a show called Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. Actually, he's on the back of my phone right here. And that's, my, that's the person who I strive to be when I think about physical and I don't want to work out today. I think Goku would never skip a training session, right? And he wants to fight the strongest opponents, not because he wants to beat them per se, but he wants to fight the strongest opponents because they're going to push him on his own limits, continually limit breaking. One of my other favorite people that I love is somebody who had passed away many, many years ago, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was a philosopher. I love the studies he talked about. Be like water. Water can fit into any cup that it's in. It is a powerful force. It can be uh, serene and calm and tranquil, yet it can literally cut stone. It can cut stone. Our planet is formed partly because of the plate tectonics, but also those massive, vast oceans, right? So water is the most powerful substance, the most powerful of all elements, yet is the most peaceful of them all at the same time, right? So those are my mentors. Then I would say other people that I work with, other people that I engage with, I'll, I'll throw you out there, Andre. You are my peer and you're the competitor that constantly pushes me to go forward. So using my Goku relationship, for those of you who are Dragon Ball fans, you're my Vegeta, right? You push me, I push you. My friend Larry, growing up, we used to, we used to always have these conversations. When we were in college, we hung out. Larry and I have a yo-yo friendship meaning that we would be in each other's life for a period of time, several months, several years, and we would be thicker than thieves. Then, as life would have it, we would pull, we would yo-yo away from each other for five, six years, and then we'd come back together, and, and, and it was as if no time passed. But the only thing that passed was how we elevated ourselves. And every time we get back together, it's, what are you doing now? What's going on now? How have you done this? Have you planned for your retirement? What's going on physically? I see you have a wife, you have children, you know, and then we're getting, we got together uh, last year several times on my boat. We're out in the Barnegat Bay. We were laughing. I actually had this whole story where he, he fell and he was wearing uh, one of those pull cord uh, life jackets and the life jacket failed. But beforehand, I said, don't wear that one. Wear this one right here. 
this one cost me $125, right? This one right here is always on. I don't want you to pull that unless it's a true emergency. And he goes, no, I'm going to wear this one, right? So I told him, I said, if you go over and you need this, remember, you owe me $125, right? But then he's like, help, help, it failed, it failed. I had to bring the bone over, I bring him back on. And I was like, see, man, I got you. I told you not to use the one. I was concerned for you. His wife goes, you're only concerned about the $125 life jacket, right? It was so funny. But anyway, long story short, that's one of my mentors. Uh, another person who who's a good friend of mine, who is, is a peer of mine spiritually, is my pastor. You know, so I grow my spiritual faith. I hold him accountable to being what he's supposed to. He holds me accountable to what I'm supposed to do as the good Christian man that I am, right? And continuing to stay with our beliefs, we hold each other accountable. Also, at the same time, because of my own personal pastoral training, I actually went to school to be a pastor many years ago. I remember when I first met him, I told him, I said, listen, I understand that as a pastor, you're a man. And I understand that as a pastor, people are going to put you on this pedestal and they're going to, they're almost looking for you to fall and fail. I'm going to tell you, listen, as your peer, it's okay. You, you If you're, something's going on, somebody, in order for you to be able to take care of other people, someone's got to take care of you. I got your back and you can confide in me. And we've gone through so many things over the last 15 years of our relationship. And then as far as people that I follow, I kind of go back and forth with different people. I used to follow Tony Robbins for a while. Right now I'm on the whole Stephen Covey, Sean Covey uh, trip after having reread the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So I'm really following those guys a lot. Uh, Les Brown is another person who who uh, influenced me. And I was honored to be able to, in one of the pictures that you actually have that you're sharing promoting this podcast, I was actually the master of ceremonies and I spoke at an event and I got to hang out with Les Brown and introduce him. And, and I'm talking about all the things that he's done. He asked me about the things that I'm doing. And he says to me, I'm an 80-year-old man or 70-year-old man. And I wish I knew what you know at 36 years old, 35 years old. That's how old I was at the time when I met him. And so it was amazing to meet my mentor and my mentor actually be impressed with me. It was, it was a beautiful thing. So that's kind of who I follow and whatnot. Listening to you, Steve, I think about, I go back to that 17-year-old sitting with your mom, looking at the traffic and saying, you did not want to be part of the rat race. And that was a mindset. Yes, 100%. And that was a mindset. And when we talk about building empires, we, we got to talk about an empire mindset because no one sets out to build an empire without the mindset that they're capable of building an empire. So having an empire mentality means that you operate your business and your life often from what I call a future-based mindset. You know what you're going to accomplish before you even start, meaning you make future-based decisions that honor the successful business that you're building. So what's next for Steve? So Andre, I love that you said that. And we're going to also the five pillars of an empire that you had mentioned, the most important one of those, hands down, no question, is number one, and that's leadership. I love what you had said there about building a team and 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 being the leader. And, and being a popular leader is not a popularity contest. Being a popular leader comes from doing the right thing and sometimes doing the unpopular thing but staying true to the course. To be a truly effective leader, that leader must have a vision and they must be able to cast that vision to every other person as part of that team. I think about my company, 
Hurricane Marketing Enterprises in the six divisions that I have underneath it and the revenue that's coming in, the nonprofit, the speaking division that I have. I'm on the board of directors on so many different companies. One of them is about to become public, which I'm really excited about that. That'll be a great financial gain. But as to your point, Andre, bringing it all together, it all came from having this vision. I live in my head anywhere from three months to 18 months to 10 years down the line. I'm 42 years old and I'm already working on my goals for my 50s and my 60s. And I'm 42 years old because I already know what I'm going to accomplish this year. I already know what I'm going to accomplish next year because it's all planned out and being able to course correct when things don't go right. You know, you mentioned something about leadership before. This is what I'm saying. This is the most important pillar of all of those pillars is the leadership and being the true effective leader. The being the best leader does not mean you are the smartest person. A truly effective leader can get people smarter than them to follow them. Usually the most effective leader is the wisest person in the room. And that wisdom comes from the integrity. It comes from how they conduct themselves in all areas of their life. This is why when you ask me going way back earlier on in the podcast, what makes me happy is when I'm balanced. When I'm balanced, I can tap into the wisdom. Why am I always reading books like Sean Covey and, and I'm reading a new book right now that somebody in my office actually recommended called The Gift of Fear, which is about overcoming fear and anxiety. And I'm reading this book and I don't need this book at all because I, I'm, as a matter of fact, I feel that like everything in the book is basic. But for folks who are anxiety ridden, folks who are fearful, you must read this book because it'll help you to overcome it. And it makes me a better leader because now I can actually understand people who are anxious and fearful because I'm understanding it. Another great book, Understanding Poverty Mindset. Almost half the population is living in poverty. So it's very hard, and from a leadership standpoint, how can I, home care business owner, healthcare business owner, when you're working with CNAs, anybody who works with CNAs, which is the majority of the people listening right now, how can you place middle-class expectations on somebody you're paying poverty-level income. Hmm, interesting. Well, when you understand what the poverty-level person is going through, show them a way that they can overcome the poverty and get out of it through discipline and work ethic and instill that integrity in the person, you start to take people from poverty and help them get to the next level and change their life forever. Understanding what Andre and I were saying before, Reason, season, lifetime. Somebody who works for me, they may only work for me for a reason. They may only work for me for a season. Or they may work for me for a lifetime. If, however short or long, the amount of time that that person is working for me, I can influence them for the better and help them reach their potential or at least go on the path towards reaching their potential, then I've succeeded. When it comes to managing people, you don't manage the daily tasks. If I hired you, John, I'm hiring you because I expect you to know what to do. I hired you because you are the expert at what you do or you're good at what you're doing and I know you're going to be able to be that value to the team. I'm going to manage John the person. How's your wife, John? How are your children? How is everything back home? Have you taken you've been taking a vacation. You need to go on a vacation. I don't know if you don't have the resources, it's fine. Go visit national parks. They're free. Go camping, right? There's things that you can do, but you need that time off. You know, John, I see that you're, you, know, you, you came and you told me a person of faith. When was the last time you've been to church? When was the last time you said a prayer? Can I pray for you? Is it okay? 
manage John, right? Because if I manage John, John will walk on coals for my company and he'll put the extra effort in. He'll stay late if he has to, and I don't even have to ask him because it's what's needed to get his job done because he knows I truly care. For the power partners, if I say I'm going to help you grow your business, just like talked about this webinar next week, I already have the, I already have, it's not even written yet. I have a thousand people I have to speak to. It's not even written yet, and I'll probably piece together about an hour before I have to go on. And if I don't have it there, I'll just have everybody's logo. And I know exactly what to say and bring it together because I know what everybody needs. If you own a business, it's either you don't have enough clients, you don't have enough supply, you're having a hard time managing your time, you don't have enough finances, or you need some leadership help. That's it. Doesn't matter. That's it. If you own a business, any one of those five things is your biggest problem, right? And I can help you overcome that. But with your power partners, again, helping them realize their potential. I do ask, what do you do? After I ask, what do you do? I say, what are you trying to accomplish? What is it? What is your goal? What are you looking for? Because I can help you get there. And they open up and then they work with me and I help them get there. And we're going to do this together. Because again, it's that rising tide lifts all boats. If I'm constantly lifting others up, you bet your bottom dollar, they're lifting me up too. What's next for Steve? Anything and everything he wants. I wanted to close the podcast with just a, a personal anecdote about Steve and I, and he has a very special place in my heart, but I think he is the epitome of the podcast, of the power of networking and the power of just being able to craft a deal and build an empire. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here at, at Bedrock. Steve answered my prayers about eight years ago. I was at a time in my life where I was very vulnerable, and I'll give you guys some humility, fearful. I was in between jobs. I had a family. The universe brought Steve to me, and Steve and I had been very close. And Steve actually did not know that I was out of work. He did not know that I wasn't working. We were close. And when I reached out to him after he posted an opportunity, he said, I have the job for you. And I remember I hadn't done an interview. I hadn't talked to anybody in the company, but I knew Steve that this was the job for me. And I remember hanging up the phone with you when you said, let me talk and see what I can do. I went to my wife and I told my kids, I got a new job. And again, that is the power of networking. That is the power of being able to trust other people, be vulnerable to other people, be sincere to other people, be genuine to other people. I told you, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I need your help. And you help me. And when you talk about building an empire, the bedrock empire, which is now building and growing rapidly, would not have happened if it wasn't for you. I appreciate you, Steve. You really answered my prayers. You're someone, even my wife and Alex said, make sure you tell the hurricane we said hello. I appreciate you more than I sometimes can formulate and eloquently articulate, but you're a very special person, not only for the industry and everybody that you affect. I know your, your kids, you have a beautiful family and your wife. I am indebted to you eternally for everything you've done for me. So thank you, Steve. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Andre. I love you, brother. I love you. And uh, to that moment, I didn't know that that was like a rock bottom moment. Like you said, with the fear, anxiety, that was literally a year and like a month or two after my rock bottom moment. Right. And so we were humbled, right? It changes. And so when I found that opportunity for you and when you saw it, I was like, this is for you. And then you had shared, I didn't even know that you were out of work. I knew this was going to be the right thing. I was like, this is the job for you. I called Alex and I was like, I got your guy. You, whatever you do, hire him. And then he, you end up meeting Elena, and Elena said, 
this is the guy, whatever we do, we have to hire him. And then eventually you met Alex and the rest is history. So it's wild how that goes. But again, that's faith. That's when people say to me, you know, I don't know about God and everything. And I'm like, listen, you know, even Stephen Hawking, who is an atheist, right? He talked about the universe in ways. And when you put it out, the abundance, right? It's going to happen. It manifests, manifestation, right? You put good out there, good is going to return. You and I, we, we both were cocky. We're cocky SOBs in the first decade of this century, right? But we had our humbling. We had our maturation, which is what brought us to where we are today. And we're forever entwined, brother. I love you to death, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Likewise, bro. Likewise, bro. Listen, uh, something that Steve and I do, too, is we share in the anguish of our beloved New York Giants, who we would be remiss not to mention on this podcast, we are crazy, crazy fans, to put it lightly. And we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm just saying it now. Hey. Say it now. Dallas, get ready. Eagles, can stand you. You will not fly this year. Amen. And listen, nothing better than to see the Giants' empire continue. And remember, we are changing the habits of yesterday by creating the new healthcare reality of tomorrow.